As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are many creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many more. Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, how you doing? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing good, yo. Listeners, we got Chef Cleophas from Miami um, on the show with us today. How are things down there? How are things going down there with the COVID and everything? Um, it's it's um it's rough, man. Mm. We um we um are pretty much going through um the same kind of surge, or probably even even worse than New York and. A lot of these other states started off with, um, yeah. you know, uh, so it's, it's, you know, I'm just standing in the house, limiting my moving, moving around as much as possible. Yeah, definitely know that feeling, man. As long as you're staying safe, that's the thing and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, man, that's just, that's definitely the key. You know? Yeah. I just, I just, I just wish everybody else would do the same damn thing. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. You know, hard people are hard-headed, man, in times like this. So, <clears throat> so we're gonna get on with the show and stuff. Um, and I, I was going over your bio; it's pretty impressive, especially coming from a medical, coming from a medical fit in the Navy. Like, I was really impressed and stuff. So, um, what was your was cooking always your passion? Yeah, I mean, I've I've loved cooking and enjoyed it because you know, like you know, like many many of us that you know did grow up around our um, our older uh, generation, like my grandmother and you know, especially my mom, like they're they're really good cooks. You know, they're educators. You know, they're both teachers, but you know, um, they always had that side hustle of catering for like 
even school functions or church events and, you know, or even just, um, you know, just cooking big family dinners for Sunday and everybody coming over. So I, I was always around, you know, I was always around in the kitchen because mostly because I was the one washing the dishes or cleaning the greens or, you know, doing, doing, doing some little tedious thing, but it was always something that I enjoyed and excited me. So, um, you know, and even through high school, through middle school and high school back in the days, um, they used to have a club, um, future homemakers of America. Yeah. I was a, I was a part of that and, and, you know, through middle school and high school. So, um, you know, I got my little cooking on in cause you know, back, back in the early, you know, late eighties, early nineties, they didn't have culinary programs like they do now. Uh, yeah. So, they had home, home economics. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's, that's how I got it in at school and if or yeah. when I can. So, um, I wish, I wish they had it. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I, I remember graduating, um, from Conan and just getting into business and not really showcasing myself. And, um, I got on Facebook and I remember the kids I went to school were cracking on me like, damn, home at home it's really paid off for you, didn't it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, so who or what inspires you to cook? Who or what inspires yeah. me to cook? Yeah. Um, I mean, originally, like, I would definitely, I mean, and I would still say to this day, like, it my grandmother okay um but um moving forward as I've, I've grown um as a cook um you know and as a chef like this has been more like the history of of you know as I as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply culture as as black people you know what so a lot of a lot of the things i do is, is just like influenced by the afro diaspora so um i just you know i, I and i've said it many times and and i'm just like you know i cook better when i'm connected to the food that i'm that i'm preparing or that i'm um, serving so for me it's it's a it's a very big deal to um try to emulate dishes of, you know, our different cultures, whether it's, you know, down in near Afro-Latino or African or Afro-Caribbean or, you know, even just Afro-American. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I just, you know, I'm inspired by our culture, by our history as, as, as black people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely like the, the term connected to the food. Um, I don't hear that too much from a lot of chefs and I, I always, 
think that's important when you have a connection just with your heritage alone and you're connecting the food to it and putting it and using it as a centerpiece on your plate and you know having um it's almost like growth you know it's like growth and stuff uh yeah 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 so um you were in the navy you were in the navy on the healthcare side how did that all change around and come into the food to the food side um I mean, well, so, you know, I went into the military in uh, 2000, straight out of high school. So, like, that was even before 9-11. And, um, you know, I always, it was kind of like, like I said, I, I love cooking, but I also had an affinity for science, which, you know, kind of even ties into my, my affinity for cooking, because that's one thing I appreciate about food too is the the science part of it just how different things react to to one another when you add or imply a certain amount of heat or cold to certain things but um anyhow um um the navy yeah i was a hospital foreman um you know i did that for five years i probably i spent um 39 months on deployment out of um basically like four and a half five years Uh um, you know, I probably have seen a lot more stuff than I want to talk about. Or, um, um, so, you know, when my time was up, um, I actually got stop loss towards my, the end of my, um, my enlistment, which is like, you know, it was around that time when I was trying to get out and everybody's trying to get out because we're in the middle of this war in Afghanistan and Iraq and I got stop loss and extended for a year. Um, but you know, I was able to get my associates and stuff, um, before I came out. Um, so when I did come out, like I actually, you know, it was just easier for me to continue into a career into healthcare. Yeah. So, you know, I went and got my degree in public health, um, you know, and minored in like epidemiology. And so I, I continued to work in healthcare for like another eight years after I got out of the military. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, you know, I did that and I kind of just got tired towards the end of my time working in healthcare, I had just gotten so frustrated with, you know, our health system and the dis- disenfranchisement of like just, you know, black people and, you know, Hispanic people. Because um, a lot of things that I focused on when I was in healthcare was rural healthcare, geriatric care, um, food deserts and stuff like that. And um, yeah, it, it um, and I was working for the Department of Human, Human and Health Services and it just frustrated me and i i used to always cook for my coworkers too um you know so that 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 um you know we had our always had our little potlucks and stuff so i would always cook and it got to a point where they just gave me money to get groceries and i would just cook like something for us like once a week um and um eventually when i got i actually got fired from my last job and um working you know the healthcare industry Cause I got into it like with uh, a CEO of this um, company oh, wow. and um, you know, um, ended up losing my job. Um, it wasn't like, I would say I professionally let him know that like his ethics as a business were not ethical. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course they big money got to my boss. So I was a small peon and I lost my job. And then uh, from there, like, you know, that, that was like the, encouragement because you know all my coworkers have already been encouraging me like oh you should cater or you should cook you should do this so 
you know, um, summer 2011 when I I left healthcare. Um, it was just like a, a blessing in disguise because then I finally got to do what I always wanted to do, which was pursue a career in um, in the food and beverage industry. Wow. Wow. All right. Um, <clears throat> and that's, that's the way, because I, I get a lot of guys that come on here that, and I, I love their background, and they were in science, healthcare. And I'm like, I'm looking at myself like, all I've done is cook. I've done this since I was 16, and I'm like 50 this year. So um, I commend you just for making a jump and switching careers, you know? So oh, It was scary. It still is scary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I tell I tell people like you're leaving you're leaving a good job to come into I you know, that's what I call it. I call it our unconfused organized world. <laughs> that's uh Yeah, that's that's a that's a good way of putting it for yeah. sure. Um all right, so um I see you you went over to the fine dining side, like even Gene George's. I'm very familiar with them. What made you want to do fine dining over casual dining over whether it be cafeteria food or just regular food why fine dining um I was chasing that white tablecloth man (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know I I, uh, yeah I was chasing a white tablecloth and basically how I want I could put it like that you know like that's just that 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 mindset that like we're all ingrained with that like um the eurocentric way is the way to go or how things are done um and for me like i when i first started cooking like you know and i just started off a prep cook working in a restaurant and i you know i always say i got blessed because like my first job allowed me to it was more of a fine, casual place. It was called Yardbird Southern Table in Miami. Yeah. And I was part of the opening team there. Like, you know, nobody knew about us. You know, they might have knew our chef because he had recently been on, like, you know, one of the first, I think, two or three seasons of Top Chef or whatever. Um, but still, it was not, like, you know, a big push. And Southern Southern food hadn't had that explosion in the United States yet. But, you know, I got lucky. You know, they brought me on as an unpaid quote unquote intern or whatever but you know they were just using me for free labor yeah um you know because I ain't had no experience and I wasn't tripping either um yeah you know and working there just it just set the foundation for everything I wanted to do um and at the time like my ambitions was were like oh I want to work in a Ritz Carlton not knowing at that time Ritz Carlton's brand had been you know I guess you could say downgraded a little bit since Marriott had took ownership of it yeah um, but, um, you know, that was always my ambition when I got in there. I didn't know anything about a James Beard Award. I didn't know things about Michelin stars when I first started cooking. Like, I started cooking because I just like cooking. I like food. And I, I, I didn't even know what an artichoke or an asparagus was really was back then. Um, but as I grew working as a prep cook, because we had an overnight prep team and I was on the overnight prep team because our kitchen was so small and we were so busy. I, you know, I grew to learn more and because then even that first year been open, we were like, we got nominated and made finalists, James Beard, um, best new restaurant, 
best chef and whatever southeast or whatever it was yeah so then like because i remember walking into work that night and it's like oh we got nominated for it i was like what the hell is that <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't i didn't know what a james beard was yeah i never heard of him um and so you know that's what kind of sparked it and i started you know and then like you know my my chefs at the time they recognized something in me which i i still to this day i appreciate um, um, Chef Ryan and, you know, Chef de Cuisine place, Chef Phil, like, you know, and they would challenge me, you know, they would always start, cause I didn't go to culinary school. Um, they would just start giving me like books to read or to, um, learning your mother's sauces. And, you know, um, you know, even, even if I, if I brunoise or dice the onion wrong, like I could go over there and dice like, like six quarts of onions and, and if um, and, and it might have been going in a Mornay sauce, which essentially you wouldn't see because it would yeah. melt down and get blended all up, anyways. But they still would make me cut it over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I appreciated that. It it, it frustrated me, and they and I knew they knew that they could put that on me too. Um, and I wouldn't take it the wrong way, but um, it's just set the foundation for everything. And it, and it, um, they started giving me books on Thomas Keller and um, like Bernadine and John George and like Daniel Blue, like you know, like Escoffier, like just learning all these things. And and you know it, and I just really that that detail and precision. Um, and sophistication is something that like really drew me in. Um, but yet, did I know the the intensity and the the, the sacrifice that went into it either? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I slowly I slowly got into it. You know, um, eventually after leaving Miami, I went to Atlanta for a little while. I worked at um, the Optimus and Restaurant Eugene for a little while in Atlanta. Then eventually got up to New York, and that's when I worked. Um, at John George, yeah, um, and for a year, and I also I would go and do some stage hours over at Per Se for a little bit too, um, you know. And eventually, like you know, like I, I just I, I still appreciate it, but I don't have the same affinity for it as I used to. No, um, so it, it's. Um, it was fun though, but I, I, it was also tough being most of the time the only black person that was online working or in the prep kitchen working. Um, but it also, you know, a lot of times it, it made me feel judged too. You know, I was always shy about talking about my, my own cuisine, you know, like the own history of, of the food that, that, you know, I grew up eating. <laughs> And it's funny you mention that. Um, and I try to like really tell a lot of these up and coming chefs that are trying to become chefs, you got to start. You got to walk in the back door and be like, hey, I just want to learn. And you made, a, you made a good point. You just went in there and you learned. Like not once like you talk about money, but it just, uh, just your integrity, just wanting to create some type of legacy for yourself. Like I'm going to do what I need to do. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I recognize that, yeah. like, for sure, because, like, I have friends of mine who, you know, we all took different courses. We took that those different paths, like, you know, understanding their situations, too. Like, one of my, my really good friends, like, you know, he had two kids and 
um, he had to go take that path of, you know, finding a more lucrative job other than taking, like me, I was able to take that risk. Like I might've been saying, making a, working a job. Like when I left Miami, I was making like at the time, like, I guess a a lead cook, 13, $14. Yeah. But I left that job, moved to Atlanta and got a job making $12 an hour just because I wanted to work with this chef at this restaurant you know, doing this. Um, so like it, it, it wasn't an easy decision to make. Um, and and a lot of times I even regretted making the decision, but like, you know, I, I stuck with it. Um, but you know, I, I get that everybody has reasonings for making those decisions when it becomes like, whether it's for the craft or it's for the money. And a lot of times, especially nowadays, I see a lot of these young cooks, they're making decisions based off of money. Exactly. And I, I, but at the same time, I I was, it's a different generation of cooks too. Um, Cause they see the TV, they see what these culinary schools are just blaring in their face, like a loudspeaker, Um, the glamour side of things and not what really truly how hard it takes to be successful in this industry and it's not like it's very few of us that get it overnight especially very few black chefs that even get it at all yeah exactly um but they're you know because of i guess the state of our economy and and a lot of times where uh, a lot of these restaurants as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply popular restaurants are like you know it, it costs a lot to live and eat so you know it's it's a tough it's a tough dilemma it's a tough decision to make yeah definitely like like i tell people i spent maybe about three years out of my life um just traveling and going back doors learning asian cuisines work learning real true um French cuisine. I remember like leaving culinary and going to a French restaurant and the chef. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was back in like 91. Like 91, yeah. And he said, whatever you learned in culinary, throw it out the window. I know <laughs> classical French in school. Now we're doing French Nouveau. And I had to retrain my brain over again. You know, I, I had to like retrain because I'm thinking, I, I learned this. I used to be able to survive in any kitchen. And um, I had to relearn a ton of stuff again which is crazy so I definitely get where you're coming from I I have a lot of respect for you just on that level of trying to put yourself in position and I think that's what they don't these kids today don't get the generation today it's about money but they're not putting themselves in position they put themselves in a financial position where we took the time to put ourselves in a position to be owners 
to get these James Beard Awards, to get these Mission Star nominees and everything. So I don't think, I think I respect you for that. So, yeah. Um, so I love, I love the concept of your chalk bar on the pop up. How did that concept come about? Um, I mean, that's just a natural, I mean, that's just maturation, man. Like, I remember, um, you know, at the time, like, I was going through this spell, like, I think it was around, like, uh, I want to say 15, 15, 16, where, like, I was really um, doubting myself and if I still want to continue to cook, actually. Um, You know, and it was around this time when, like, um, I don't know if you heard this company called Dinner Lab back um, you know, they're now bankrupt, but um, yeah, they used to, yeah, they used to provide vehicles, basically the vehicle for chefs or cooks um, to do pop-up dinners. All you had to do is like give them a legit menu with like six to eight courses. If they liked it, boom, they'll work with you. Um, they'll procure, um, once you got all your, your, your ingredients itemized and they'll procure all your ingredients, procure space. They have staff, like, you know, cooks that help you out. They had commissary kitchens in some cities that you could work out of. And, um, and I remember doing it. my first pop-up I did with them. I did like three of them with them before they went bankrupt towards the end. Um, I remember the first time, the first one I did it, it was kind of like my measuring stick because it was at that time when I was like, I'm just tired of cooking other people's food and not being able to be creative. And it was kind of like the tail end of like when pop-ups had become so popular around that time. Yeah. And uh, and I did my first pop-up and I, you know, like I said, it was like my barometer. I was like, okay, if this goes well and people like, like my food, um, cause this was like my first time like creating a menu and cooking my food for the general public, you know, completely unadulterated by any other like eyes or minds or chefs and um it went well um the first pop-up was like i think it was like caribbean caribbean lightning something like that and it was just some name that they helped create and then i did another one and i did that one in atlanta (laughs) and that one was like called um caribbean peach and then I did another one with them in Orleans, and it was like, I don't remember that name, but like, it's just been a maturation process. So, cause for me, like, I wasn't always into the food of the Afro, Afro diaspora, you know, like, it wasn't until like I saw season two of Mind of a Chef. Yeah. Um, and it was like episode seven with Sean Brock. And Sean Brock was a chef, like, who I, I you know, I looked up to. Um, since I had first met him when he came down to Miami for like South Beach food and wine or whatever, just randomly met him because he was doing a dinner in our kitchen during that time. And um, little did I know, like he had filmed that season around the same time that he was in Miami. And like, then he went to, um, where did he go? He went to Senegal. Um, he went to Senegal and, you know, Sam Box big on, you know, um, doing uh tracing his roots and the history of his foods and stuff like that and um and that's one thing that that really attracted to me always about him and um so when he went to Senegal and I remember just thinking like like I don't like how is this white man going back across the pond to to trace the roots of his food that 
he grew up eating that was ultimately cooked or that was taught to his grandmother, great grandmother, great great grandmother by, you know, descendants of 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 enslaved of black enslaved people. Yeah. And that's what like for me that was like my spark. And you know, and I was like and I was even before I did my first pop up. But even when I did my first pop up, like I still wasn't there yet. I was still focused on like, you know, just where I was from, which is being from South Florida. And, you know, being from Miami, like we have a heavy influence of the Latin culture and the West Indies here. Yeah. Um, So just even just being eating different, a little bit different than most some black people in different regions of the United States do. Like, you know, I grew up oxtails being a complete part of my diet as a black person down here in South Florida versus like, you know, I know friends of mine who in Georgia or in California, they they've only had oxtails when they've ate out someplace or they've never had them at all, you know? So, you know, um, but eventually like I, I just started digging in, you know, I like reading books, watching YouTube videos. Um, you know, I, I started trying to connect with different, you know, different chefs that, that I knew who, I mean, that I came across on, like, this was still at the beginning of Instagram time too, Yeah. that I started like um connecting with some of these chefs like you know they weren't even celebrities yet like you know like nina compton she used to work down here at the fountain blue at, at in miami and a lot of the guys who i was working with in miami worked for her so like i got a chance to go stodge in her kitchen you know for a little while working in miami and just talk to her you know it were you know just different different chefs and like i just just delved in and just learned and, and the maturation like came really to a head like in like it was uh... as humans were naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Um, like around February 2017, like I did like my first solo pop-up by myself and I call it the Afro Dinner Series. Okay. And, you know, I did like three, I did four of those like in succession, like, between like February and like that summer of like August, you know, and each one of them was like probably like, you know, between eight and 10 courses. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of my buddies who would come and help me out, um, who I cooked with and front of house people that I knew. Um, and it went well, but I always noticed that like there was this one main demographic there and I wasn't touching the people, touching everybody that I wanted to because like, um, I realized, begin to realize, like Afro is for other ethnicity groups, 
that aren't part of the black culture or you know of afro descent is a bit alienating for them um and so eventually you know i i I, over some time like i because i i ended up going over to um to africa i went to um ghana and senegal and um nigeria and um benin and tago um and you know just over there just eating and, and and consuming and learning stuff um it wasn't as long of a trip as i wanted it to be because i wish <laughs> i could probably just spend like the rest of the year there um but i didn't get the opportunity to to get into it get as much into it as i want but i did learn a little and bring brought some stuff back and um you know and then um i ended up getting a job at a restaurant as executive chef for the first time it was a seafood oyster bar and and that was when, like, I really just started, like, honing in, like, on, like, like the spices, the different, like, um, produce, the different, like, um, uh, techniques in the cooking that they use and stuff, um, and the different flavor profiles, um, and just in running that restaurant and, you know, slightly putting in a subtle touch of this into the food, you know, not like trying to completely just blow people away with it. Um, Cause you know, you still got to make it approachable. And then, um, you know, that's when I came up with the name of Ebby Chop Bar and uh, working there. Oh, and then eventually when that restaurant, um, that restaurant closed, like, you know, that's when I kind of like went full bore on trying to push my own restaurant concept and, you know, create a, you know, creating a pop-up to push that concept. And, um, you know, Ebi stands for, um, it means family or hunger, because it's a word from the, the Yoruba language, the Yoruba people. And um, it just, to me, it just represents, you know, like what we are as a black culture. Um, um, we're, we're all about family and we all, and we're all, you know, we're hungry people, literally and figuratively, you know? Okay. Um, so, yeah. Mm, cool. cool. I, I like that. I love the concept because I was on the website. And I was just like, "Wow, this is this is impressive," you know. And um, I swear, you put a lot of thought. And I'm thinking, like, this guy's got this guy's traveled out the country. No, he has that. You just like, you just told me and stuff. Like, for yeah. you really just understand natural flavors and the essence of the food, and you're trying to share that with everyone else. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um... And then in 18, I lived in Brazil. I lived in Salvador, Bahia for about about a good seven months. Just like that was kind of like after that restaurant where I was executive chef at close. Like I went to Brazil because, you know, little did I know, even at that time. And this was just like in like um, 2018, you know, like little did I know, like that 56 percent of <laughs> You know that 50 50 is you know what is it, like 56 to 60 percent of brazil is predominantly black yeah and, and then like the largest population of black people of afro descent i should say outside of africa lies in brazil wow and you know that was just little things that i didn't know and it was just like at the time meeting my ex-girlfriend who had spent some time in brazil also i mean she'd been um, she was just she, she was black American, um, but she ended up working down there somehow after she graduated college and and um, yeah, so it, it, it sparked my interest. And I even remember coming across um, 
the book by um, Jessica B. Harris, where she focused on, you know, the Brazilian, the Afro-Brazilian culture and its ties to, to Africa. Yeah. So um, that's what sparked my interest. And then like when that restaurant closed and I had the time, like I went to Trinidad and I went to Brazil and I went to Nicaragua and I went to Honduras that summer. Oh, wow. Um, because those are like very, those are like four like obscurely heavily populated Afro countries that a lot of people don't pay, don't recognize or realize. I mean, maybe Trinidad, yeah, but like for me, like I visited Trinidad just to understand the more dynamics between that that um, Eastern Asian culture mixed with the West Indian culture. Definitely. Then, um, you know, because then, you know, I fell in love with like just doubles and bacon shark and, and like roti and all that stuff that they eat down there. And it's just yeah. like, it's like even just with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Their spice blends, because I haven't been able to make it to India. Um, you know, I hope to someday um, to just to, to really see the spice culture there in, in parts of um, the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, you're t- like, and I, like I said, a lot of chefs really from uh, Central America by itself. You got some really good uh, product from there. You need some really like I lived in Nicaragua for about a year, and um, oh, wow. yes, um, I love it there. Peru, Panama, I love those places. The produce and the just the agriculture there is like nice. But, yeah, it's it's um it's a beautiful it's beautiful people and beautiful countries. Just I mean, and then just to see the circumstances that that they live under. Um, under these um, oppressed governments, yeah, um, and then even more so, just the black people that live in these countries—they're even like they're even more oppressed than we are in here in America. You know, yeah. Um, like, I mean, we still have our liberties and our freedom, so to speak, but like, you know, a lot of these um, countries throughout, you know, Latin America, um, you know. Black Latinos don't have the the, the greatest um, freedom and liberties that like we do here, and it's not to compare, because I mean we all struggle together, we all try to fight together either way, but um, it, it you know it opens your eyes a little bit more, and it also just makes you look at like yourself as an American, um, someone who grew up here a, a little bit different, like because I I know I did that myself, just. As being a service, being in the military and going overseas and fighting in people's backyard, like it gives you a different perspective. Yeah, definitely. So, with um, black chefs, just black chefs as a whole in America, um, we had we had a we actually had a black chef win a Michelin star last year. How, yeah, a young lady in Chicago. Yeah. How, how do you look at that? Do you think we need to be more 
in the forefront of these awards like the Michelin Stars, the James Beard Awards? Uh, I, I mean, Michelin Star, I don't, I don't really give a shit about them no more. Yeah, no. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, for me, it's really like just like, you know, fuck you all. That's okay. just straight up just how I feel. Because like, you know, whether it's um, women or it's or, or it's you know black people there's no identity for most of us you know and i feel like sometimes you know when some of these chefs who do get it like yes i know they work extremely hard and they deserve it and there's a lot more black chefs out there who aren't doing like exquisite fine dining food that should should have a michelin star yeah but uh, the ones the few that do have it i feel like it's just a token yeah um i agree but but um Honestly, like I, I could care less about the Michelin rating anymore. Yeah. Like I, I respect the James Beard more, and especially of late with their, um, with their onus on trying to bring a lot more, um, black chefs and what what um, what our culture is doing and trying to bring it to the forefront a little bit more. And, um, you know, educating people and separating the difference of just us being Southern food and bring fried chicken and collard greens and whatever. Like, Dave, you know, I, I appreciate them for that, you know. Um, you know, I still I still think, you know, you, you can't expect a system that's been this way for over 400 years to change in a matter of 10, you know, 10 or 5 years or a couple months. But, you know, I, I feel like they're... They're, you know, Lisa James Beard, they're working in the right steps to, you know, to be all a little bit more inclusive of all ethnicity groups. Um, so I, 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 I do have ambitions of, hey, hopefully if I, you know, our restaurant, our food and beverage industry gets stabilized and back to whatever new normal it may be that, you know, maybe I can be nominated and win a James Beard someday. Um, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, you know, as long as I'm cashing some checks and making some people happy with the food that I'm I'm serving them and educating people on the dynamics of the African, you know, Af- the Afro culture, I'm 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 happy, you know. Um, but um, I still think there's a lot of a long way to go for right. for us um, for us black chefs. Um, and you know especially even just women chefs in general too um because it's 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 not an equal playing field it's not a fair playing field for us at all yeah and it's, it's funny like you mentioned that we like i even myself when i got into the business i came in when the business wasn't glamorized and um i tell this funny story where i had to do a starch at uh tavern on the green in new york for two weeks and um I remember walking in with the rest of the rest of the culinary students, and I was the only black guy in there. And they asked me, "Was I the dishwasher?" <laughs> and uh, I was, I'm a graduate of Johnson and Wesson. Like, wow! Like, nah, I'm in here to do what you guys do. <laughs> we in here yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've <laughs> I've had that instance just being a sous chef, like, and and yeah. uh, like sous chef in a luxury hotel, like where people paying. Five hundred, six hundred dollars a room. You know, they have to come speak to the manager on duty, and 
I walk out and they're just like, you know, I, I want to actually speak to the person in charge. And I'm just like, that's me. Like, and you're not going to get any more help until probably like 8 a.m. in the morning when the general manager or at a hotel or like the executive chef for the hotel comes back. But, you know, right now I'm the HNIC. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, well, yeah, it's it's always it's always funny though. Like for me, like I don't, you know, I don't get into it with people. Like you know, I I, I you know, I still maintain my professionalism and and but it but it is a good chuckle and it, and it is a, a good it puts a big smile on my face to to have them look back and you kind of always see them kind of taken aback by like oh okay <laughs> and it's just like yeah that's 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 who I am right now. So yeah, like um, yeah, I usually ask all my chefs this. Uh, some play with it, some don't. Um, but I always ask um, all my guests, your favorite dish and who would you cook it for? Whether it be a celebrity, family member, or just a total stranger or a friend, who would you do it for? Uh, um, my favorite, like my like who I who yeah. would I want to cook for? Yeah. Um, definitely it would probably be like I would love the chance to meet like um, Patrick Clark oh wow and you know Edna Lewis for sure and then like um, probably would have to throw in like um, Michael Jackson and um, and Muhammad Ali those are probably like four people like oh and of course like you know just President Obama Michelle Obama oh wow uh, so, so those like yeah you got a lot of power there <laughs> yeah I mean I mean people like as like as a as a black kid as a black person as a black man like those are people like you you could you could look up to to idolize and you know um, and that's you know I I, I appreciate. Muhammad Ali and, and the things that he did, and you know his his mindset and his pers- perspective. You know, and Michael Jackson, like I, you know, as a as a, you know, I'm 38. Um, you know, just growing up in the late 80s and the 90s, and just having affinity for his music. Yeah. Um, and then Patrick Clark, just in general, like he was, I guess you could say of. Um, modern era of, of, of chefs of, you know at least for black chefs he, he was he was it you know um, there wasn't really too many black chefs that got his notoriety especially not you know cook you know being able to do that in a city like New York City was, yeah. uh, was a big thing um, and you know like I guess my favorite dish like one thing always stays the same yeah. and that's just like I and this is tried and true by some Caribbean grandmothers and and cousins and aunties is like my oxtails. Oh wow, um, that's one thing. And but like everything else is kind of always ever changing. Yeah. Like um, like something like I like I would like to accompany with that it would be like you know like right now like I just have a like a dish that I'm I feel like I'm executing pretty authentic authentic and and you know it's still my interpretation but it's I would say it's a, you know it has some authenticity to it is uh, like um, red red which is a dish that's you know the national dish of Ghana and it's um, 
so like you know definitely you know red red some um maybe some coconut rice and some oxtails um would be definitely and it would be definitely something i would serve to them because i i think those i think those three things oh and some some greens like i like i make a i make my my greens in a, a pretty unique way they're pretty vegan okay right. um but I use a, a, an assortment of greens too, not just collard greens. I'll use kale, I use collards, I use turnips, I use beet greens, I use Swiss chard. Um, you know, uh, I'll put in some escrow. You know, any green that is very like, like has a sturdy leaf and that is, you know, you know, pretty stands up well to braising, so to speak. So, um, so I have those plethora of greens in there, and then like, you know, I usually have my own like I've been making my own hot sauce and I'm combining it with some spices and some and, uh, like a gastrique and all that stuff too Yeah. so it has the because the way I used to always like to eat migraines when I was a kid like you know I would you know my grandmother make it um, of course she had all the ham hocks and all that stuff in it but like I used to always like to get relish and some hot sauce and put in migraines and then also eat it with some cornbread okay alright so like that's kind of like how I got the mindset of creating how I do my greens now as a chef. Yeah. Because you got the, that, that acidity, acid, uh, acid <laughs> I can't even say it. I'm tongue tired right now. <laughs> but you got that acid level from, from like, you know, you would get from the, and the sweetness you would get from the relish. Yeah. And then, you, you know, then I have my hot sauce. It's got the spiciness. And then, you know, you just got the earthiness of all the different greens. And then like, like I said, I cook with a lot of spices, just in general. Like, like my oxtail dish, my oxtails, what I braise them with, like from like the salting and and like roasting them hard before you even start braising them. Like, it's probably a good twelve different spices and in, incorporating that whole dish. And so even just like with my greens, like I put a few like aromatic, you know, and flavorful spices and and just braising liquid also. So, um, it, it's, it's, I'm, if anything, I can say I'm all about spices. Like I, and that's, that's even something I'm looking into trying to get into myself now is probably starting to do spice blends and stuff like that. Especially now when everybody's buying everything off, uh, off online nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My uncle works for the post office and he's like, yeah, it's like Christmas every day now. Cause <laughs> yeah. Like we actually grocery shop online now. We yeah. deliver. So yeah. So yeah, it was definitely uh great having you on here, man. Um, you want to give any shout outs or anything or just like let people know your IG account and all that stuff to follow you. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I knew it took us a couple times to, yeah to get connected i'm sorry about that that's my fault um but um yeah i mean just you know you can follow me on um instagram chef office that's just um um c that's chef and then the last five letters of my name which is um o-p-h-u-s or you can follow um ebby chop bar which is um that's spelled e-b-i and then chop bar c h o p b a r all one word and um yeah you know and stay just follow me on there you know you can connect maybe break bread once someday ourselves 
Okay. Yeah, I'm planning on coming back down there. I'm actually gonna be down there in December. Where are you where are you located at? I'm in Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a little uh family vacation. So um, no, I'll let you know. I definitely hit you up when I'm down there. Um okay. let you know I'm in town. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I'm I'm always always want to connect, man. So yeah, I definitely uh, look forward to that opportunity. All right, cool. All right, it's good having you on here, man. All right, man. Thank you again. No problem. All right, man. All right, peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Not All Black Chefs Fried Chicken. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Um, if you have any questions or concerns, leave a comment. Reach out to our website. The links in the uh, links below. Um, also, subscribe to our subscribe to our podcast. You know, wherever you be on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. Subscribe. You know, look for future shows to come out. Uh, we also have merchandise. Um, the links below. T-shirts and sweaters right now. Trucker hats are coming. And um, you know, catch us on Facebook for updates and Instagram. Not all black chefs fried chicken on both. All right, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.